You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Well, welcome everyone. So glad you're here. I know that uh, God loves you, honors you, values you, and we love you, and we're just just glad to be here. Uh, And also, welcome to September, and this is where you say to the person next to you, what happened to most of the summer? It's it's gone too fast, and uh, that just kind of happens. I'm, uh, my name is Dave, and uh, most of you know me, but uh, I'm the... uh, Pastor of Adult Discipleship, and I love what I get to do. And Pastor Ron, we'll have to take it out in the parking lot if you ever want to switch titles. It's not going to happen. Because I get to help people find their way into more discipleship, uh, small groups and classes and recovery and all kinds of things, and it's just such a privilege. But with that comes the tension. People struggle to take on yet one more thing, is Sunday morning enough? And of course, people struggle to make Sunday mornings. and Come a couple times a month, and then now you want me to do something during the week? And it's, there's a tension there. There's uh, some things to talk about, and we're going we're gonna to wrestle with that a little bit um, this morning. I, I want to use an illustration from a recent occurrence. I uh, had an opportunity to be in San Francisco, and so I attended a Giants game, and the Giants were uh, playing against the Pirates. Uh, my apologies to Pastor Ron, because I actually cheered on the Giants. There come, here comes the Dodgers hat. <laughs> Pastor Ron, a diehard Dodgers fan, I love it. Uh, but I did have a Dodger dog. I've never been in a stadium that didn't have a Dodger dog, and it was good. Uh, we, we had fun, and I hope we're good. I hope we're good. I have the Dodger dog. To tell you the truth, I love the food during baseball games. I love the Dodger dogs. I love the, the cotton candy and the Cracker Jacks and the cookie dough. Now they have just plain cookie dough. It's not even ice cream. It's just cookie dough and popcorn and ice cream. And when you're at San Francisco at the game, Garadelli's is based in San Francisco. So they have two scoops of ice cream, this Garadelli hot fudge, and then there's stuff on top, whipped cream. And, oh, it's so good. You know, you can't have just one. And the, look, I'll just be honest with you. By the time the seventh inning stretch comes, I still can't even get out of my seat. I just feel, you know, I just can't. And so I always stay to the ninth inning because it takes me that long to be able to get out of there. We were in San Francisco to... Uh, pray for Noah Coombs. Noah has been one of the church planters that we have been supporting. Picture of him there, the the front guy. He uh, has been in San Francisco for three years. We have supported him, encouraged him, and uh, he's gotten to know the city, worked hard on a church plant, and now the Foursquare has asked him to be the pastor of the San Francisco Foursquare Church. So I was there uh, to be there on the Sunday service to pray for him, anoint him with oil. It was just a lot of fun. And uh, we, we're just excited about God's work in our church as it extends out uh, beyond us. Well, the game, the, the Giants game, was August 11th. And that was the night that Barry Bonds was going to be honored. Um, he uh, was going to retire his number, which is number 25, and that means that no other Giants player will ever wear that number in honor of Barry uh, Bonds. He, uh, he had 
some of you uh, know him, 756 home runs, um, more than Willie Mays, more than Babe Ruth. Uh, the ceremony turned out to be an hour before the game. So the game started at 6. So the ceremony started at 5. And it was down at home plate, and it turned out to be quite a big deal with a lot of dignitaries. There were five Giants Hall of Famers there, and I couldn't believe it. Willie Mays was there. I, I just like, oh, this is just so exciting. I was like a little kid. He had surpassed Babe Ruth with uh, 600 home runs, retired in 1973, a hero of baseball, uh, 87 years old. And at one point in this very organized ceremony where there was a, a host and dignitaries and NBC Sports was there filming the whole thing for broadcast, and in the middle of it, he wanted to talk. And so the host said, if Willie Mays wants to say something, Willie Mays gets to say something. And so he made his way up to the kind of a little platform there on home base, and he started talking about mentoring. He said that Barry Bonds was the result of mentoring. Now, he used different words, but his dad, Bobby Bonds, had been in the San Francisco Giants and had poured into Barry Bonds. But Willie Mays lived in San Francisco, had been on the San Francisco Giants team, and was asked by Bobby Bonds to mentor his son, Barry. And so Barry was mentored by Willie Mays. And what you see is the result of that mentoring is that Barry Bonds exceeded his dad and exceeded Willie Mays to be the greatest hitter of home runs in baseball history. They called him that night the greatest baseball player of all times, a hero. And I'm, I'm sitting there. Of course, I'm a pastor. I'm just like, oh, this is what we're about. Mentoring, pouring into people who then pour into other people. Coaching people who coach others. And it, it works. And people go to a higher place. They exceed their mentors. It's what Jesus did. I was sitting there with Noah Coombs, the, the, the pastor I was telling you about. He, I've been working with him since he was about 18, 19 years old. He was a student at Life Pacific College. And I, I had planted Glendora, what is now Glendora Foursquare Church. He was one of our first youth pastors. And now there we were sitting next to each other. And he's going to take on the San Francisco Foursquare Church. One of the, in San Francisco, the, now the most expensive city in America. One of the most influential cities in the world. And one of the three most powerful cities in the United States. And and it, it's just fun. And I, my prayer is that Noah will far surpass me in influence as he gives himself to the ministry. Well, we got the hat. You know, you got to have the hat. It's got the number 25 in, in uh, co commemorating Barry Bonds. But I wear the hat because it reminds me of mentoring, of pouring into somebody who pours into somebody. Who pour, and each one exceeds the one before. And that's how we change the world. That's what we do. Well, that night, the Giants played the Pirates. And the, the Pirates won. So, <clears throat> uh, 
But I will say, I will say, the food was great. (laughs) Jesus did it this way. He mentored, he coached, he discipled. And those men went on, one of them failed, that happens. But the 11 went on, and they were the leaders of the early church. Jesus uh, stated to the disciples right after the resurrection, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And this applies to us here this morning. God has sent us to do it Jesus' way, to have Jesus' results. And as I look back, I say, how did my mentoring happen? How, how, how How did I get the mentors? And the answer is, Almost all of them came through the small group. The small group is highly valued for me because it's God's way of making things happen. I look back at Bob. He invited me into his group. I became a follower of Jesus as a result of Bob's investment in me. It took about a half a year. He just kept at it. And then there was Earl and Hilda, this precious retired couple who took me on, had a church in their home, brought me into the baptism in the Holy Spirit, taught me to lay hands on the sick and expect them to be healed. They taught me how to cast out a demon. And then later on, another small group, Chuck taught me how to fight for what's right against the demonic, spiritual warfare, and to cast out demons without any hesitation, without fear. And those people have marked my lives and so many since then. Not only do we get in small groups mentors, disciple makers, help, support, but another thing that small groups do is they provide the, the friendship, the family that we need, that we desperately need. Researchers have found that the U.S. population has the highest percentage of loneliness in the world. And there's one example that I want to share with you from uh, Cigna. Online, It's an online survey, a major survey released earlier this year. It's based on a loneliness index developed at UCLA. I didn't even know there was a loneliness index, but this is a big thing in the social and psychological world. Many Americans feel lonely. 47% feel left out. 43% feel their relationships are not meaningful. 43% feel isolated from others. 27% rarely or never feel there are people who really understand them. 20% rarely or never feel close to people. This This is very sad. And I think you know some people who are Lonely. There's people all around, but they're lonely. They're disconnected. It's, a, it's surprising as well that the study found that Generation Z, the upcoming generation, and the millennials, the younger generations, are lonelier than the elderly. I didn't expect this. The younger are lonelier uh, than the older. One scale of 20 to 80, indicating social isolation, said that Generation Z had a loneliness score of about 48, whereas 72 and older had a score of 39. The study also notes that loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Just that stress, that heartache. 
Why is this? Why do we have this loneliness problem? Perhaps one of the reasons, and this is being pointed to in the research, is that social media isn't doing what we thought it would do. We thought Facebook and Instagram and Twitter would connect people better, that we would understand and know each other better. But, but it isn't happening. My Facebook says that I have 1,627 friends. And I'll tell you, all but about five or ten of them have, have asked me to be their friend. You know how you do that on Facebook. I've gone out and asked about five or ten people to be sure and be f- friends on my Facebook. I don't have 1,600 friends. So I, I think, what, what is this friend thing? How do you define friendship? Well, I'm a simple guy. So years ago, I began to see that a friend is somebody who will visit you when you're in the hospital. Now, there's, there's some breakdowns to that definition, I know, and uh, it doesn't work for everything, but it cuts out all the fair weather friends. You know what a fair weather friend is. They're there when the weather's good. When the weather's bad, they're not there. So it's that kind of thing. And I, uh, I've seen that social media is, is good, but it's also deceptive. It hasn't contributed to the depth of friendship or intimacy that we need. And for some, it's really been a distraction. A health science professor at one university states, I have students who tell me they have 500 friends, but when they're in need, there's no one. In your message notes, there's a question there for you. You can write in there. Do you sometimes feel disconnected and even isolated? Does Jesus have an answer for this? For how to get those mentors that we need to go to the next level, to go to the next place? Does Jesus have answers for us in our loneliness or in our isolation, in our need for friendship? And the answer is so much yes. He has provided this this church community and especially the smaller community, the the small groups. We just just use the brown paper bag term, small group. But just these these small communities, the the actual church that God uses to provide the mentoring and and the friendship in the midst of our disconnected, isolated, busy lonely, anxious day. And I'm so thankful for the, the leaders of our groups here that give so much of themselves to make this, this possible, these small groups possible. And I feel in my heart this morning a, a fierce urgency to be sure that we understand that we need to grow with others that we rarely grow well alone. There are some introverts who grow best alone, but those are few. Most of us, almost all of us, grow best with others. I want to ask you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. 
in the early part of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there are some underneath the chairs there. Grab one. Uh, and if you've got your device, get that open. Acts chapter 2. I'm kind of an Acts guy. I teach the book of Acts at Canby Bible College. I love it. And I love the book of Acts because I have seen that when you do it the Acts way, you get the Acts results. And so when I look at this, I'm saying, okay, here we go. We're going to do this. Acts chapter 1, Jesus has left the earth and has turned over the ministry to the disciples. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come as Jesus had promised. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. People are speaking in languages that they didn't learn. And there's a lot of confusion. Peter steps up and explains what's going on. Jesus is gone, but he's invested in Peter. Peter gets up there and explains what's going on. He says that what this outpouring of the Holy Spirit confirms that Jesus is the Messiah. And he also says that all of this is available to everyone. He quotes from Joel, and it's beautiful. No matter who you are, you can have this. Well, then Acts 2, verse 41. The new church now those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, I want to know what did this new church look like? What did they do? The following verses are the clearest statement in the Bible on how the church actually functioned. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Later that would be um, the, the true teachings about Jesus. And for us, it's the biblical teachings. And to fellowship, uh, let's, I'll talk more about that word in a second, to the breaking of bread, they ate together, and it, it appears that they did the memory of the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, often, every time they ate, and they gave themselves to prayer. Now, this word fellowship is an interesting word. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, which many of you have heard before. In some churches, they have koinonia groups indicating this idea of, of community, of, of Christ-focused community. But for us, this word fellowship is not actually very helpful. If you Google the word fellowship, only churches come up using that word. You hardly see it in uh, regular usage. You know, English, English words come and go. You know that. Hot is cold and cold is hot and we don't know who's what. It's that way. Um, if, let me just give you an example with this word fellowship. I don't refer to Pastor Ron as a good fellow. Do I? I mean, that's just gone. I, I'd probably say he's a great guy or a Dodgers fan. Just something like that. And I don't refer to you as my fellow congregants. That's just horrible. <laughs> I just say, you're a wonderful group of friends. Or, since I lived in the South for a few years, y'all. Y'all. That takes care of everything, doesn't it? Y'all. Y'all are great. Y'all are good. But the, the, the idea is that we've got to find a better word than this word fellowship. Um, the message has uh, the phrase, the life together. 
instead of this word uh, koinonia. And that's really helpful. That's very good. But you have to have the word committed in there somewhere. It's got to be more than just living with somebody, but I don't like them. It's got to be connection. And so the contemporary English version translates the phrase, and they were like family to each other. That actually (coughs) is very close to what we're looking at with koinonia. And we know that the family is the number one metaphor for the church in the New Testament. There's more references to uh, father and brother and sister and so on than, than any other way of understanding relationships in the church. Small groups, the, the small church is where we have the family, have the friendships. And this, this early church was meeting in the homes. There were the large meetings in the temple, but most of the action was in the small groups. So we kind of switched that today. We need the large meeting. It's where we get the vision, the teaching. But there's a place for the small group where it's all personalized. And another thing about this word family, it's especially relevant to us in our generations because so many are in, have experienced a broken family situation. Maybe they've experienced a divorce. Uh, maybe there's no mom. Maybe there's no dad. All the list, the list goes on. The, the, the small group can provide that family. And so the church steps up in our society and provides some things that are desperately needed. Look at Acts 2.43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. What we see here is that the church meeting in the homes was the place where the miracles happened. Um, sometimes we want to have the miracles in the larger gathering, and, and there's a place for that. But you know, it's really hard in a public gathering to take somebody and cast a demon of lust out of them in front of everybody. Are, are you with me here? There's a place for the small group, for confidentiality, for anonymity, to be able to help people go to the next place in their walk with Jesus. And I, I'm just so grateful for a ministry training institute. And this morning, the expo is going on in the lobby and the patio. The patio has the display for the ministry training institute, 72 lessons, but seven practicums where you learn how to pray for the sick, how to bring somebody to Jesus, how to cast out a demon, how to how to uh, hear God's voice, and several other things. It's, the action happens in those small groups, and then we take it back into our small groups. Acts 2, verse 44, more on this koinonia, more on this community. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. These small groups were very practical. Somebody had a need, they stepped in. Uh, In Acts 4, uh, they were all one heart, one mind. Nobody had possessions that they felt were their own. It was kind of a community. In Acts 5, you have Ananias and Sapphira lying about giving of their um, possessions to the small group. And uh, the lying was the problem, but the action was, was good. They just lied about how much of it they did. Acts 6, 
the Greek widows were not being cared for properly in the daily distribution of food that was going on among these churches that met in people's homes. And so they selected seven people to make sure the daily distribution of food was happening properly. Acts 2, now verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So there was that larger meeting. They broke bread, probably a reference to the Lord's Supper, in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. Isn't it true that an effective group has lots of food? I just want to get that out there. That's, That's just how it is. And then in the latter part of verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The church grew because the small groups functioned as family. The groups were marked by mentoring, coaching. The groups were marked by friendships rather than loneliness and isolation. There were people there that are going to come to the hospital when you you need somebody. In your message notes at the very top, there's a statement. We learn from the Bible that a Christ community is connected and committed. A Jesus-focused community is connected and committed. A friend of mine is writing a book. Actually, Ron, it's Matt Messner is writing a book on friendship leadership. And I'm, I'm intrigued by this word friendship. I, I want to understand it because I want to be a good friend I want to have good friends, and I want to help people with this friendship thing because we, we can't do it alone. We don't want to do it alone. And so I've, I've given this some thought, and I have some, some qualities of a deep friendship, a family-like friendship. Uh, one, there's empathy, uh, a deep level of care where we walk in the other person's shoes. There's trust, and that trust is a mutual trust. And what I found is there's no relationship without trust. There's authenticity. I, I have a, a friend, uh, sort of a mentoring, kind of a coaching relationship in another city. And he said, Dave, we can go with honest, more honest, or most honest. And I said, well, I think I want to do most honest. He said, yeah, me too. I said, I'm scared. He said, yeah, me too. And so we do most honest. We talk weekly if, when we can. That authenticity, it makes such a difference and it allows for growth that will never happen otherwise. There's loyalty, which is the opposite of that fair weather friend. There's loyalty in the deep friendship that sticks with you. Uh, there's listening. <clears throat> I'm going to try that one sometime. <clears throat> No, just kidding. The non-judgmental attitude where you come as you are. You're you and you're accepted that way. There's understanding. The, other, the, the person gets it. The person gets you. <coughs> Excuse me. And there's laughter. There's laughter because the Dodgers do win some games. That's supposed to be funny. Hey, the, the Giants, I don't know what they, they're anyway. 
These are qualities of a Christ community. Currently, I attend a group on Saturday mornings. It's a group for guys. I also do Rooted, and you'll find out more about that out in the patio. And that's just exciting. I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. But I, I attend a group with guys. And Saturday mornings are valuable to me, but I use that time because I need to walk together with other guys. Frank Despain leads the group, and uh, we go through the Book of Romans. You know, Larry talks about his walk with God, and, and I'm mentored by, by his spirituality. And I, I want to know God from the perspective that he knows God. And then David talks about marriage, and I say, yeah, this is mentoring for me in my marriage. Uh, Terry talks about persevering. And I'm going, yeah, it's mentoring me in this area of keep at it, keep going no matter what. And Frank, he's the one who visits in the hospital. So when Matthew, uh, my older son, had a concussion and ended up at OHSU, Frank was there. Some other friends were there. Some friends couldn't make it, so, but he was there. And recently I was in emergency and I texted him for prayer because these are the guys who pray for me. They love me. I love that. I'm grateful for that. And he wanted to come and visit me. I'm just an emergency. I'm not going to die. I, the life, my life is not ending. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I just need some help with, you know, a pull uh, strain. And uh, he said, you know, he's texting me, are you alone? And I thought, I'll tell him that I'm with, I'll just say, I'll just say no, because I'm with Jesus. So I, so I said, he said, are you alone? I said, no. And so he didn't have to come. I didn't want him to take time off. Of, I, I didn't want him to have to take time off of work. And so I've confessed my sins to him. But uh, in the small group, we encounter God and his love in ways that we otherwise wouldn't. We, we need each other. In your message notes, the question of the morning In what ways could you take advantage of opportunities to connect and grow as you follow Jesus? At Canby Foursquare, there's there's many groups, and I'm so thankful for the leaders uh, of the different groups. You have a next pamphlet uh, that that was given to you at the door as you came in. How do you like the new look? Pretty cool, huh? Kaylee did a great job. You'll see on the inside that there's different... uh, Different groups that are lifted, listed, they're in categories. It's kind of easy to use. Uh, it, it answers the question, it, it, to some degree, what is the next step God has for you, where it has to do with some kind of group here at Canby Foursquare. And what, the, what it does is it points the way to the website, because the website has all the details and stuff, and, but this kind of just points the way. And this is not only helpful for you, but feel free to pick this up anytime to help friends, people who are new with us, to find their way and to take the next step toward the website and and to to find out what's going on. This morning, we've got the expo as well in the lobby and patio. And it's a place where representatives of some of the classes and groups are available to talk to you about what's going on in their area of the church or will help you find another group that fits, uh, that fits you and fits your needs. We kind of have things divided up into four uh, communities. We've got groups, classes, serve, 
and recovery. And you'll find those in, in, uh, in the two different locations. And I just invite you to take a look at what's going on. Maybe you're looking for a group or a class or recovery or a serving opportunity. Or you may be uh, thinking about somebody else and trying to help them find their way into something that fits them. So take advantage of that because we're here, we're here for people to grow. We, 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 don't, we don't do stuckness. We want people to grow. We want people to take the next steps. And another thing that we're talking more and more about behind the scenes, and you'll hear more about it, is just starting small, simple groups everywhere. You can call it coffee groups. Call it whatever you want. Just people gathering one or two others at 7 in the morning or at, in the afternoon at the playground or wherever it is and sharing life together. And sometimes that smaller two or three is easier to manage in our busy, distracted day. So we're encouraging people to start groups of all kinds. We make it easy here at our church to start groups and then just to keep it simple. Sometimes people say, I don't know where to start. You've got this big, thick next pamphlet and all that website. I don't know where, I don't know what to do. That's where we have rooted Rooted is an introductory class that points the way to some of the other opportunities here in the church. And it kind of is a, an introduction, and it's also a great way to, to grow your foundation deeper in your walk with Jesus. Each week is a response to devotions you have during the week, and the devotions are guided. It's actually really a lot of fun, and I do that class with great joy. Would you stand with me, please, and let's, let's pray. So many more groups to talk about, but I'm going to let you do your exploring and have fun talking with some of the leaders. God, we're here this morning with a culture, a society that's really hurting. People don't have mentors. They're not sure how to go to the next place. People don't have friends. There's loneliness and isolation. And you have the answers And God, we just ask you to use us to help people to connect with others, to have that koinonia, that fellowship, that community that will allow them to grow. God, we want people to be more like Jesus and to do the works of Jesus. We are desirous to see your name glorified far more in our community and beyond. We are available to you. God, help each of us to be in a group that fits us And help us to be people who help others get into those discipleship opportunities, those small groups, the serve opportunities, recovery, whatever it is, so that they can grow. God, we're yours. We look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.